0: Today on Sports Card Investor, I bring on Topps Project 2020 artist F.Dot to talk about this series and to give some inside information about the next cards he's producing. My name is Jeff Wilson. By day, I invest in tech companies, and at night, I invest in sports cards. Join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love. card investors, and welcome to another episode. I hope you've had an absolutely outstanding weekend thus far, and we've got a fun conversation today that hopefully is going to make it even more enjoyable. I am bringing on Topps Project 2020 artist Dot. He is one of the best artists in the series, in my opinion, and we're about to have a great conversation. Before we do, I just have one thing to ask of you. Very simple. If you have not yet subscribed to my YouTube, please take a moment, just pause and hit the little subscribe button, hit the little bell icon. It really helps. I really appreciate it. And you're gonna want to subscribe because we are now only a couple of weeks away from the virtual Sports Card Con 2020 that we are doing on Sports Card Investor. It is gonna be five days of live streaming through this channel where I am gonna host it live and I'm going to go to dealers across the United States and have them show off various cards that they are currently selling and those cards will be available for purchase the moment that they are showing them on the live stream. It is a whole card show coming to your living room. So you're gonna wanna be part of that. And by the way, if you haven't registered for the virtual yet, it is free to attend Go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on virtual 2020 in the main menu bar and get yourself registered right now. All right, guys, let's bring on FDOP. This is a fun conversation. We get to learn a little bit about his background. We talk a little bit about business and the business of art and how that works. And then we talk a lot about Topps Project 2020 and the various cards he's created, new ones that are coming up, what he thinks of the market. How he thinks, you know, what he thinks about the prices that have gone up and down and the various art that's being produced. It's a fascinating conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, let's get it started. F. Dot, welcome to Sports Card Investor. Hey, thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you today. I'm excited to hear more about all of your cards and the work you've done for Tops Project 2020. Right off the bat, I got to compliment you because you've got some of the best looking Tops Project 2020 cards. And I also feel like you you put so much into your cards in terms of the symbolism and the, and the kind of the little figures, the little things, the nuances of the card. I, I feel like you probably spent a lot of time thinking about each of these. Thank you, man. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I've definitely been trying to
0: raise the bar with each card. And
1: I think that's something I do with all my artwork though, is I always like to do research. I always like to find little interesting things that mean a lot to a few number of people. And then that makes the art really special for some people. So just trying to take that to each of the cards for sure.
0: Awesome. And we're going to talk about each of those cards in a minute, as well as what's coming up with Top's Project 2020. But before we do, I'd love to hear a little bit more just about your background. How, you know, how did you get into art? And then how did you get, uh, how did you get invited to be part of this project?
1: Sure. Yes, yeah. so I can give you the short story. Uh, so ever since I was a kid, I've been making art just like any other kid. You know, you learn how to draw can't stop drawing hopefully for a little while until they tell you that drawing isn't a career (laughs) Um, but I had a few influences in my life that did remind me that drawing and making art can be a career one of those was my grandmother my grandmother was an artist uh, especially in her later years and then when I had to eventually choose like what I would study after high school even though I loved all the art classes I wasn't sure if I could make a living as a fine artist so I studied graphic design And that allowed me to bring all my interests together into one area like photography, video. I was also really into skateboarding at the time. And so like reading those magazines and watching those videos really influenced me a lot. And then I studied graphic design, uh, worked at a bunch of different jobs like agencies, brands, and tried starting my own thing like multiple times. And then just in the last few years, like started to have more success with it and getting the kinds of projects that I wanna get. Um, There was definitely a turning point in those, Few years where like I basically lost everything that I owned from a fire, (laughs) which was a crazy moment. And that reminded me of like why I started creating art and it helped me get move forward and like become the optimist that I am today.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And as an entrepreneur, I love hearing about stories of perseverance and people who had to, you know, kind of push through to make something happen. Getting started as an artist, I imagine has to be one of the most difficult things, getting that early traction, getting, you know, getting over the hump to where you go to basically where you're the starving artist and you're just, you know, desperate for people to buy your work to actually where you start to hit the mainstream, you know, to where you are today. What is that? What is that transition like? What was that like for you?
1: Man, it's hard for sure. Especially because a lot of artists, yeah, they're told these different stereotypes of like, you can't, Make a living with this or they don't have those people in their corner. And so they don't even believe in themselves. And that's, I think the thing that gets in the artists way like the most is just not having faith in yourself because just like anything just like a Any business you want to start. It's going to take time and it takes a lot of perseverance and and finding that inner motivation of like not just for the money like you have to have some passion around this too. So a lot of times like artists will enjoy like seeing illustration artists. Like I love how they draw, I wanna draw like that, but then they try it and it's actually, they don't like it as much as they thought they would. And so it takes some like just exploratory phase to like get, to actually find the gift that you want to spend the time on. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I got taken advantage of as an artist early on. I like undercharged or I just didn't value my own time and my own work. Um, and it, it sometimes it just takes like having the right people around you too to like snap you out of it and, and remind you like that your art is worth something. And you, you know, it's not just trading time for money. Like you do at a lot of, uh, typical entry-level jobs. It's different. Like you have a certain way that you draw your line and that's unique from everybody else. And the more you refine that technique and the more confident you become just like one foot in front of another, you start getting better clients and better projects and starting to develop a style as well.
0: Yeah. And then you're selling based on value, not based on time. And that's something that every business professional, especially in like a professional services field, which you know, to a degree, I think when you're starting as an artist, or especially if you're a graphic designer, you are kind of in the professional services field where when you're starting, you are trading your time for money. Like that's the trade and you're billing by the hour. That's, you know, often, you know, whether you're freelancing or contracting or whatever, or if you have an agency, like I own an agency and you bill by the hour, but then you try to transition into value-based billing where you're not billing by the hour, but you're billing based upon the value of your end product. And, And our agency, thankfully, as we've grown and have gotten larger and larger clients, we've been able to We've been able to do that, but that's a difficult transition. It takes time. And as an artist, that sounds exactly like what you're talking about. Like you need a transition away from the, I'm just painting this commission by the hour to actually what I produce has a lot of intrinsic value beyond how much time it could ever possibly take me.
1: Definitely. And I think it's, it's hard pill to swallow that sometimes my art just won't make it into the hands of the people that want it simply because they can't afford it. And that doesn't mean that you should discount your art, right? So you can create art for the masses and and have everything be like cheaply made or mass produced as prints. And that's a way to get it in people's hands. But more and more, I'm realizing that people really value the limited edition stuff, the original art, the uh, signed and numbered editions that are rare. So you have to charge more for them. Otherwise, you just like shoot yourself in the foot. So yeah, I think it's, it's tough. Uh, when I got started, I was working with some nonprofits and I realized that like, yeah, I can do pro bono work throughout the year, but I can't make a whole business off of pro bono work. So I have to be okay doing some more commercial stuff and some more uh, altruistic stuff that makes my heart feel good and finding the balance between those. Um, and then more and more like I've gotten to be more selective because the, obviously the reputation and the, um, what's the word, like I have more agency and more reputation than I did a few years ago. So I can say no and I know that there's gonna be more work coming soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting parallels in some of the stuff you just said there between the art world and the sports card world. I mean the you know, the fact people like the limited edition stuff, they like the numbered stuff, they like the smaller print run stuff. I mean, you see that in the sports card world. People want to chase the the cards that are numbered to 99 and that are hand signed by the player, or the very rare parallel because it's got some uniqueness to it and and just the mass printed base rookie cards, not quite as exciting, uh, you know, as some of that, you know, real collector type stuff. But it it depends. It depends what people are in it for. And sometimes, you know, as a sports card investor, there's there's a whole range of opportunity. Sometimes those base mass printed cards can actually the the market on those is more rich because um, they're buying and selling a lot quicker. So sometimes they can present the better flipping opportunities, get in and get out. But if you're really trying to buy the collector's piece that you want to hold on to and you want to put on your wall or, or, you know, treasure in your personal collection, you want to go for that card that's got the uniqueness, that it's got the rarity, that there's only a certain number of them out there. And it sounds very similar to, you know, that, that thought process you have in the art world.
1: Definitely, I mean, in the end, everybody just wants to feel special. And if you have a bit of the artist's time or a bit of the player's time and, they even wrote like a custom note to you. It makes it feel even more special. So yeah, there's definitely this sentimental value. And then there's more uh, financial concrete data of like how much is this card selling for value. And I think there's different people that value both of those. And some of them are more leaning towards the other like on the scale. Um, like this collect, like I'm realizing, especially with this Project 2020 series that there's just like multiple different audiences. There's the collectors and then there's people who are more getting into it because they want to uh, get a return on their investment and see what they can do and it's essentially treating it like the stock market.
0: They are, so, yeah. And there's that throughout the yeah. sports card industry right now. And we saw a ton of that um, with Topps Project 2020. And I, I, did you see the wild price swings? Did you see how you know the cards were slowly, steadily going up and then there was this crazy spike, but then they kind of hit it. It kind of came back down the other side and now they've, now they for the most part, kind of plateaued.
1: I haven't been keeping super close with it in the last few weeks, but I Mm. I saw the spike and I just saw my cards like rising in value, especially my early ones like this. Mark McGuire was my first card that came out and I didn't even buy enough of them myself. This one, um, I bought Yeah. Neat card. (laughs)
0: How many did you buy?
1: Five. Oh, five. (laughs) and uh you know I didn't even think about buying any of them because I wasn't I used to collect when I was a kid but once I stopped collecting I like didn't really think too much of the project I just thought yeah I'll get a few I'll get five of each but then I saw that there was a market for the autograph series and I just saw some of the other artists experimenting with that and so I was like okay I'll offer however many I have and now and then I went and like started buying more on eBay because I missed the boat
0: <laughs> so you're on my own car you're having to buy your oh you're having to pay these crazy inflated prices you're inflated compared to what they originally sold for uh, maybe not inflated compared to market demand though they're true to the market but you're having to pay these prices to buy your own artwork back because you want more of it or you want to be able to sign it and resell it I guess
1: I actually haven't been paying like crazy prices for my own art I've been finding people who want to trade for original art or prints of mine. Um, I feel better about getting my art into the world in exchange for my art back, rather than just giving some stranger hundreds of dollars for my own art. So, you know, if there's anybody out there that has some of my early cards that wants to trade for some original art, I have some stuff. Um, but yeah, like I haven't paid more than, I think like $80 for one of my own cards. And I, I only did that like twice. And I just, I wanted to have a couple full sets. So I just like got it. Cause I saw that the prices were going up and I'm glad I did because they haven't come back. Like that, those early cards are still around two hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, they're still they're still yeah. quite expensive, and, and they may they may be starting to trend back up now. It's it's watching the market is uh is quite fascinating. But um, but yeah, wow, that's you're a true artist that you're trading art for other arts and you know that kind of thing. That's really neat. Um, very cool. This is cool. I'm I'm fascinated to to dive in a little more here. So right now, so so far, you've seven of your cards have been sold. Not not all of them have arrived in people's hands yet, but seven of your cards have been sold on tops.com. and then we've got an eighth, which is coming out in the next couple of days, and we're going to give everyone a little inside information on that in just a moment. But of the first seven, so you had McGuire, you had Nolan Ryan, Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson. I know we're going to talk about about that one. Tony Gwynn and Doc Gooden. What what were your what was your favorite uh, part of each of those seven cards? So going through
1: one by one, my favorite part of each. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. With my Martin McGuire card, I think my favorite part was just experimenting and trying to find like what this was my first one. So it was like trying to find what elements I wanted to use in this card that I could potentially use in my future cards, like laying some ground rules and some constraints for myself. So this was the first time that I'd ever used a border like this in any piece of art. And the border has become something that I'm using consistently in all of them. And then something else in here is um, like the second image of Mark McGuire here. Like that wasn't actually in the original card. Like I just found another, a better, I I didn't love the image that was given on this card. So I found a, an image of him swinging and you can see close up there. Yeah. Um, and I've been incorporating that in some of the other cards. And then I think for Willie Mays, this one.
0: I yeah, that's a, that's a, I love that card. That's a cool, cool card. I really, really, it's one of my favorite Topps Project 2020 cards that has come out so far, bar none.
1: I'm trying to position it like this so there's no reflection. Um, so the, thanks, man. I appreciate that. This is one of my favorites too. And I think I'm going to try something similar uh, on a card pretty soon, just in terms of like black and white, thick line work, because it just really pops as, at this scale. You know, something I didn't mention is like most of my artwork that I do is murals. So going from large scale murals, like this one behind me, to a tiny baseball card that fits in the palm of your hand, like it, a lot of things get lost in translation with the detail. So I'm having to like test the sizing, even sometimes do test prints here in my studio, like find different ways to, to see how it's gonna look like in, in hand. Um, and, what,
0: and, what and what is size, the size, what's the size of the canvas you're, you're painting these originals on? I'm actually doing them
1: digitally. So I'm using my oh. iPad uh, for the most part. I am uh, doing some sketching on paper and my next card, I'm planning to do a canvas for, cause it's a really special player. And yeah, but most of them have just been on my iPad using uh, a digital drawing app that I love called Procreate.
0: Is that how you do a lot of your art? Is a lot of it done digitally and then printed?
1: But, yeah, I do a lot of it that way, but also since my main thing is murals, hand painted murals, like I'll take a photo of a wall and then I'll just sketch on top of that photo in my iPad. And then I'll get it to a point where it's more or less complete. Like it wouldn't look good if you printed out that sketch because it's a, it's a sketch, but it's enough information for me to go and buy paint and like start painting. And then I'm cleaning it up in that process. Like I use spray paint a lot and um, or house paint. And once I'm in there with the brush or with the can, I can get all those details refined and I don't have to create. Like if you look at my digital sketchbook on my on my iPad here, like, a lot of the things look unfinished, but then you go see the finished mural, and it looks finished. So, um, yeah, I think the the next one I'm going to try to do a canvas. I haven't decided what size—probably like 30 by 40 or 24 by 36 or so.
0: So this card that's coming out, this card—if we can—if we can tell the audience, this card that you're talking about is—is is Jeter, right? This is your—this is kind of your hometown hero.
1: Yeah, man, definitely. I, I grew up with a big poster of Derek Jeter on my wall. And when I got to do this project, that was one of the first questions I asked was, is Derek here going to be in this project? And uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this one. I'm going to do it a little bit differently than my other cards. I'm going to be doing a, a full hand-painted canvas. Uh, most of my other cards have been digital, so this is going to be something special.
0: That's awesome. It's cool that you get, a, you get a, you know, this guy who you grew up watching and you got all this excitement about that now you get to kind of bring him back to life here on a, on a baseball card. Would you ever have thought you would have had that opportunity?
1: Definitely not. I think when I was a kid, I, I didn't even know what graphic design was and what what art was at all. Like I was just going based on what I had around me. Uh, but yeah, this whole project has been very much like a full coming full circle experience. Yeah.
0: Now, one thing that's kind of wild to me. So f- for everyone watching so that, you know, we record these episodes in advance. And so this one we're recording a little, like about a week in advance, a little over a week in advance of, of when you're seeing it today. But when you are seeing it, this Jeter card is gonna be coming out this Tuesday. So it's gonna be coming out in a couple of days. Uh, so, and and the crazy thing is, even though you know we've recorded this a little in advance, we're sitting here talking about this Jeter card but you actually haven't started to make it yet. So this is like a very much a real-time thing where you and I assume the other artists, I know Blake Jameson was similar when I talked to him. You guys are are really making these this artwork very close to the actual release date of the artwork, which is, I think, fascinating. I would, I would have thought you would have done it months ago, but by doing it this way, it gives you really the opportunity to live within the project and kind of adapt Based upon what else you're seeing out there, I know that
1: some artists uh, did the whole set in advance, but I decided that I wanted to do two in advance and then see how the project was going. And I actually have started the Jeter card. I haven't finished it yet, but that was one of the first cards that I started sketching. Actually, in the early in the project, um, I wanted to get started on that card. I had no idea when it was going to release, but I just started sketching it already. Uh, I don't love what I started. Cause like, as the project has gone on, my approach has gotten different. Like I've been doing more research on the players and trying to build more nostalgia into the cards rather than just like doodling all over or applying my style to the card and like leaving what was there in terms of stats and symbols and stuff. Um, there's definitely a couple cards that have come out that I like really like went over the top <laughs> with the symbols. And I think finding that balance of like a few things that you notice right away, and then a few things that you don't notice right away that you keep coming back and like finding more Easter eggs in the card. That's like what I'm aiming
0: for. Very cool. And I know one of those cards that has had a lot of symbolism built into it. And it's, it is a card that's very much of the moment right now is the Jackie Robinson card. Can you talk a little bit about that card and what it means, what it means to you, all that type of thing?
1: Yeah. So with Jackie, I went and watched the documentary that was all about his life, Uh, not just his baseball career, but you probably know a little bit about Jackie Robinson, but I didn't really know too much about his work in the civil rights movement. I also didn't know that he was a war veteran. So there were a lot of stories that I wanted to include in in the card. One of which was um, like the fact that he was a war veteran in a Italian called the Black Panthers before the Black Panthers political party even existed. It was like a different Black Panthers. So I included the Black Panthers patch um, hidden in the corner. I included Ebbets field with uh, the year. And then I included uh, the date that he broke the sports color barrier. uh, The 15 all star appearances just by putting like 15 stars around the border, Um, little things like that where you have to like count in order to like actually see the hidden message. Uh, what else? And then in the top right corner of the card, I put a little sticker that says justice. It was not a real sticker, but it looks like a sticker. And I wanted to do something with the Black Matter, with the Black Lives Matter movement. But in the end, after talking to Topps, we decided that it wasn't a good idea to commercialize that whole movement that's happening around the world right now. And it was better to do something more general about his work with civil rights. And it still relates to today. And there's like a little fist underneath the word justice. Um, Yeah, so those are some of my favorite parts about that card and I think that's my favorite one that I've made in the series
0: so far. Yeah, that's cool. And you've got up on your website right now, you're selling limited editions of that card where you're signing them and numbering them and you've got different editions where you've numbered them to different things and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and with the autograph series we're using, uh, we're partnering with a different charity for some of the autograph cards. So with the Jackie Robinson card, I did a whole charity sale that was some, selling some original art, selling some prints that I had, um, selling the Jackie uh, autograph cards, and it was all, it all had, um, some of them were 100% to this nonprofit called Color of Change that helps to uh, improve the social justice issues that we have today. And you should check out more about their work. I'm not gonna go super into it. And then I also did a special, one of the cards, cause uh, I forgot to mention this about the Jackie Robinson card, but. He used to play for the Negro Leagues in the Negro Leagues before he was uh, admitted into MLB. And so I wanted to give a nod to his team on the Negro Leagues because that history is not often talked about. And so in the name Jackie, I put the Kansas City logo uh, for the Kansas City Monarchs like in his name because he has a Jackie like J-A-C-K-I-E. I took out the C-K, put in the K-C logo. And then I used the the red Color from that team to do a whole autograph series, and then we're donating a portion of those proceeds to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. So bringing that back to like where he came from was important
0: to me. Awesome, that's really cool. I, I love the the depth of symbolism and thought you put into this very these various cards. That's it's awesome. Your cards are definitely. Some of the most intricate and some of the most filled with Easter eggs, which is really cool and I certainly love the charity work you're doing through it as well so the business model behind that's kind of fascinating to me are you these cards that you're selling on your website are these cards that are you buying these from tops just like anyone else buys them from tops but now you're you know kind of signing them and putting them up on your on your site for sale
1: exactly yeah I, I when I got into the project I read the contract with tops and I didn't think about this idea at all of like signing and selling the cards cause it wasn't something that was on my radar. Um, and a lot of the other artists were surprised too, that there was such a market for it. Like Tyson Beck, he's done a ton of different sports cards for tops and, um, different work with, with sports companies. And he was even surprised by the demand for this. So this is my first real like big sports related project. And so I had no idea um so then after my first couple cards i started stocking up more on of them and just buying them directly from tops within that 48 hour window and so however many i sign like technically that does come out of the print run so if there's ten thousand cards in the print run and i buy 100 of them that's you know it brings it down so you know it it does it does change things and people want to know all all the details and it's just like crazy i didn't expect there to be so much interest
0: (laughs) yeah it is it is TOPS Project 2020, I think blew a lot of people away. It's so funny that it started like they, had, they they took it to market right as COVID hit. Like they, we're talking like, you know, middle of March is right when this thing, do you remember the date, your first card, the McGuire was your first card, right? Do you remember the date that went for sale?
1: It might've been, I think the 26th of March.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that is right during the period. So that, that the 26th was a couple of weeks after sports paused and the sports card market, by the way, during that period of time, it was down 30 to 40%. I mean, the 26th was a pretty low point for the sports card market. And the fact that Topps still brought it to market Um, You know, people weren't paying attention to it at the beginning because there were bigger things in the world going on, frankly. And people were kind of reeling from sports being paused and all that kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden, everything started to change in April. And it started to change for Topps Project 2020. It started to change for the sports card market as a whole, where I think people were home and they were bored and they wanted, you know, the world around them was kind of troubling. So they wanted to reconnect with their you know, with their love and their passion. And that was sports cards. And and then this Topps Project 2020 was one of the new things that was happening and new cards were coming out and the art's great and the cards are great. And all of a sudden, it just, this thing caught fire. It's it's fascinating to hear how surprised you and the other artists were, um, you know, at that. And I'd love to hear what, you know, what kind of of, of you know, fame has this brought you? Like, have you had people contacting you to do other types of commissions or what have you, what have you seen as a result of this kind of new notoriety?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I've I've been building my brand for a while and trying to get more people to like notice my work and get it in front of more clients and stuff like that. So I had a decent uh, social media audience already, but I I'm noticing that it's growing slightly faster now in the last few months so there's that of just like more people. And then also the engagement rate is going up. I think people who found my art through Project 2020 like very quickly uh, fell in love with it. And it's just all that feedback. I'm just hearing people saying, I found you through Project 2020. I just purchased like five of your prints from your site. And you know they wanna get involved with my other art too, which is awesome. Um, I have had more requests than normal for commissions. They, a lot of people wanna get their favorite baseball player done in my style, which is not something I'm able to take on right now. But uh, what I did do, I'm not sure if I told you about this previously, but I decided to take it into my own hands and create a little community that was like a paid $5 subscription for my collector fans that are just like really, really into it. They want to get the behind the scenes. I just noticed that like I could spend a lot of time and put that stuff out on Instagram or Facebook, but really a small section of my audience is interested in this stuff. So I started a Patreon page, which is essentially just like a subscription website that you can customize like the tiers. And so it's $5 to join there. And yeah, like I get to create any kind of content that I want. And then I also give those people first dibs on the autograph cards using a password that's only released there. And so just like getting, I, I would say like more fans of my, on my work, but also um, segmenting them too into groups of like, these are the people who really want specific thing. And and some, you know, not, not all my previous audience is going to be interested in baseball cards, but that I'm sure most of them are just happy to see me working in a new medium too.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. I love the subscription program idea. I mean, it's similar to what I've done at sports card investor, um, you know, where people can pay, you know, in my case, nine bucks a month to get part of the, you know, community and, and be part of my member live streams. I do, you know, that's kind of a little spin on what you do. I guess I do a members only live stream right now, every other week where I'm giving investment tips and, and giving away free yep. cards and 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 answering member questions and all that kind of stuff. But I love that idea of building that little that that tight community, kind of figuring out who your biggest fans are, having those connection points to to go a little bit deeper with them. I mean, I think it's I think it's great, and it's uh, only something that I'm sure is going to get stronger and help you know build your reputa- reputation further as you continue to progress as an artist.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So that's just Patreon if you want to check it out it's patreon.com/f. slash
0: cool. And what's your and what's your website for people who want to look at the Jackie Robinson uh, and you know other things you got going on there.
1: My website is f.studio.com so just e f d o t studio. And cool. there's a little link in the navigation that says Project 2020. I'm actually in the pro- in the process right now of redesigning my site and moving it over to Shopify because right now I'm on Squarespace and we're having some issues with mostly with sales tax, <laughs> which is fun but uh, it's gonna look a little different soon, but it'll still be the same fdotstudio.com. f.studio.com. Um, but yeah, the, the, the live streams have been great too. Like I've been doing the same thing as you, just like doing member exclusive live streams and sharing the process of the cards and obviously like sneak peeks and stuff. But it is funny how people, some people in there, there were, I guess some people who are just trying to flip the, like buy the autograph cards and flip them. And so they come in, they pay $5, but then they get early access to the cards and they, they, they were buying many of them. And now I've limited it to a certain number, like per person. Um, and then some people would even like screenshot my content in there and share it outside yeah. of there. And then it would end up in someone else's hands. And at one point someone was trying to sell my Tony Gwynn card on eBay, but it wasn't even my finished card. It was like a sketch of the card. And so it makes me look bad. So, it, you know, I, I have to be a little more careful with how and when I share stuff on there. Cause there's like over 500 people in there now, so you never know.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on the success of the growth of your membership program. But I mean, we've had some of the same struggles at Sports Card Investor. I mean, that's that kind that happens. And what you have to do, obviously, is just kind of try to orient the value of what you're providing, so it can't, you know, it can't it can't as easily be copied and and distributed and that type of thing. I mean, I think the you know the connection points that we're trying to build with our audience through the live streams and that type of thing that that, you know, that type of stuff can't be copied as easily as someone just taking an email you've sent out and copying and pasting it. So it's something we're working on at Sports Card Investor. We've actually kind of have a whole plan for how we're going to evolve our membership here in the next couple of months to make it to make it even more connection points directly with the members um, so that, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, if, if it happens, it just doesn't really matter because that's not as much where the value is. Um, but it's, um, you know, you know, you got to take the bad with the good, but the great is that you build up 500 plus members at this point who, who are passionate enough about your brand and the art that you're building to want to, to want to be part of that. So congratulations. That's, that's, that's really awesome.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I like being able to have a noise free place to communicate with them because yeah. everything I post on there just goes straight to their email inbox and they can choose whether or not they want to open it. But at least I know that they're going to see it and it's great. Yeah, I'm loving that website so far. And I hadn't made I hadn't ever used Patreon before, but I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, Patreon's a great. Patreon's a great site. We don't use that, but I know a lot of other content creators do. Um and I've signed up for some Patreons of of other uh I'm on a Gator football Patreon, a Florida Gator football Patreon where I'm supporting uh uh some podcasts about the Florida Gators and that kind of thing. So I, I know that experience well. It's uh, cool. it's pretty cool. Um So uh, as we wrap up here, I'd love to hear, so you got 13 cards coming out. Obviously the Jeter is coming out this week on Topps.com. It's coming out Tuesday. So everyone go check out that Jeter card. It's going to be awesome to see what the final product looks like there. Um, After the Jeter, you're going to have 12 more to go. Any that you are particularly excited about, any that you've got some like kind of clear ideas in your mind?
1: Definitely excited about Mike Trout. That's the one that everyone wants to see uh, since he's still playing. I'm excited about Roberto Clemente. Uh, I had a, a bat card of Roberto Clemente when I was growing up. I still have it, and that's my favorite card that I've ever owned. So I'm excited to do my own Roberto Clemente, and I'm probably going to put the uh, Puerto Rico flag on that card. So that's going to be fun for. All the Puerto Rican fans out there, all the Roberto Clemente fans. Um, and Ken Griffey Jr., it's like obviously Jeter, Griffey, and Mike Trout are the top three players in the series in terms of their notoriety. So I'm excited for all those. And Frank Thomas, I got a bunch of them I'm excited for. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny to see like friends reach out and say, oh, I just saw you're doing this project. Like I just found out about it, even though I've been posting about it for months. Can you make you know save me a Frank Thomas card or save me a Nolan Ryan card? And I'm like, sorry, you might have missed the Nolan Ryan, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's fun. I'm excited about all these cards. Then
0: say say you got to go to tops.com and buy them just like I do. (laughs) You know, you don't get any special treatment. You got to go buy them just like they do.
1: I have been saving a few. Like I bought more Jackies uh, because I think that one's my favorite so far. So I'll be giving those to family and friends uh, if they don't sell out, and then yeah, I'll, I'm guessing they'll sell out over time, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm stocking up on my favorite ones. Definitely. So I can have, cause I'm also investing in my own art. I'm betting on myself here. So if I hold on to them for a few years, like who knows what the value
0: will be. And are you trying to build a complete set of, of every artist or are you just trying to build a complete set of yourself? I'm just completing my own sets
1: right now. Uh, I don't have, I'm, I'm in New York city. I don't have the luxury of, space <laughs> so i know cards don't take up that much space but i have been buying some other artist cards i'm a big fan of jk5 blake jameson uh tyson beck sophia chang like they're all great i bought at least one of each of those artists and a few more gregory sif uh who are some of your favorite other ones
0: well blake jameson was on the show before so uh i'm you know i'm i'm uh uh uh, uh Bias towards him. I love the Maguire card that he did. And that actually was on the cover of uh, Beckett uh, price guide. Uh, This last issue of Beckett's monthly price guide, the actual printed magazine, which yes, they still make the printed magazine of Beckett. And there was the uh, Maguire, Blake Jameson that was on the cover of that, uh, which is pretty sweet. I mean, that's, you know, and he actually happens to be a really big a card collector so and he was a huge card collector as a kid so for his art to appear on the cover of beckett it's a pretty pretty cool thing
1: yeah definitely i saw that come out and i'm really proud of him like i just met him through this project but we're both in new york we're planning to do some collaborations pretty soon as well um we have a lot of friends in common as well and and like yeah to see his work on cover of beckett makes me nostalgic too because i used to buy those magazines when i was a kid and like who knows what will happen in their next few issues, <laughs> I did get, I did get an article on their uh, on their site though, and a little live live interview with Beckett. So they're good That's people. Great. I like them.
0: That's cool. That's cool. So my final question for you uh, do you do you realize that New Balance sneakers are are now cool again? <laughs> That's your final question. Do you know? Do you own any? Do you have any? Do you have any New Balance sneakers? Yes.
1: I don't have any New Balance sneakers. Are you about to gift me a pair?
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. It goes back to, uh, I was in my, in w- in one of my previous episodes about Topps Project 2020, I had a guy troll me and his troll was that Jeff wears New Balance sneakers. But then the great thing is, and I'll have my editor bring it up on the screen here, that Blake Jameson, I, I asked Blake Jameson if he thought I wore New Balance sneakers and, and his response was he-, he thought New Balance sneakers were cool. Turns out Blake Jameson actually owns New Balance sneakers and 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 tweeted uh, me a photo of his New Balance sneakers. So it's, it's kind of become a, a, a funny joke. Man, um, I let you
1: down. I don't have any New Balance sneakers, but I am a fan of New Balance because they have, actually they have a skateboarding team. So New Balance recently made in the last few years, a new line of shoes called Numerics. And I'm probably gonna have to pick up a pair at some point, try them out. Um, so good for you for wearing New Balance. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you should feel any shame. <laughs>
0: I actually don't. However, I, I, uh, I appreciate the trolling and I've learned, which I didn't know, that they are, in fact, as you said, now back part of pop culture. It's now respectable uh, to have New Balance shoes. Uh, there's actually a little bit of cool factor there, apparently. So um, anyway, FDOT, it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you, having, you coming on the show. Um, any, any final uh, words of wisdom for our audience?
1: I'd say just don't judge the cards too much uh, right away. I know there's gonna be that instant reaction, but let them grow on you. Like enjoy the art of the card and not just the investment opportunity of it. Yeah, that's my main advice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, one thing that I've definitely learned from talking about these cards is people are really passionate about Tops Project 2020 and it draws a wide audience. It draws not just the sports card investing audience who are looking at it from, from an investing standpoint, but it draws a very heavy collecting audience and a collecting audience that extends well beyond sports cards. It gets into a lot of your fans and fans of these other artists who are you know, traditional art fans. And so it's a very interesting blend of people and it brings out a great deal of passion Uh, and excitement for these cards. So I think it's great. And I I love the combination of the art world with the sports card world. I think it's fascinating to see how this has caught on. And I hope that we continue to see more of these types of collaborations in the future.
1: I hope so too, but it's going to be hard to, uh, to do something like this for 2021. Like I can't imagine tops doing the same thing again with different artists. It just wouldn't feel quite as special.
0: Yeah, they they hopefully hopefully they'll wait a few years. Maybe there will be a project twenty twenty five or twenty thirty. But um, I think uh, I think twenty twenty uh, should stand alone for certainly a bit of time. For sure. Awesome, F Thanks for coming on, man. Have a great rest of your day. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with F dot. That was a fun one. Definitely go check out his website. Check out his Patreon. As well. And also, if you haven't yet, check out the virtual Sports Card Con 2020 that me and my team at Sports Card Investor are putting on in just a couple of weeks. It's free to register. Go register right now. Go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on Virtual 2020 in the main menu bar. All right. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I'll see you back again in a couple of days with my next video. Take care.